glad that you are here. Also, anytime you mention the name of Jesus, the Bible says that there were some shepherds in the field one, one day and an angel came and said, uh, don't be afraid, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And the moment he said that, the Bible says, and there was with the angel suddenly, suddenly a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace Listen to me, on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Anytime the name of Jesus is men mentioned, anytime the name of Jesus is worshipped, whether it's from an angelic visitation or whether it's from a praise and worship team or an angel that stands up and gives a testimony of the goodness of God, immediately there's always the heavenly host that joins in, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to those that love him. Amen. They're here and he's here and he's good. Amen. Luke chapter 16. We've been talking for the last few weeks, although Randall was here last week, and I appreciate him coming. Two weeks prior to him coming, we were talking keys to the kingdom. Remember when Jesus told Peter, <clears throat> he asked his disciples one day, whom do men say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah, and some say you're the prophets, or well, this one or that. Okay, who do you say that I am? And they were all silent until Peter suddenly spoke up through inspiration and says, I say that you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed it to you. And I know that you're just a little rock, but on this rock, on the rock of hearing, trusting, and speaking what the Father says about the Son, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And unto you I will give the keys to the kingdom. Whole lot of preaching about the kingdom. I can prove to you the only gospel that Jesus ever preached, in fact, was the gospel of the kingdom. John preached repentance and water baptism, but Jesus came baptizing with the Holy Spirit and fire, and Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. And he actually even said, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached in every nation to every corner of the earth, and then the ends fulfilled. Guess what? You're seeing it right now. You okay? <laughs> that hurt me a little bit. Jeez, my chest. Somebody had a little too much Coke. Was that Jacob? <coughs> So keys to the kingdom. So what is the kingdom? It's, it's a lot of things. Of course, we know the Bible says now the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy found within what? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. We know that. And, but for us to access the goods and the benefits of the kingdom, we're going to have to have some keys to enter the kingdom. Amen? To access those things. How many people believe that the kingdom is full of goodness? That in, that in the kingdom all things can be done and really are done in, depending on your perspective. What does that mean? That means, in, that means the fact in this earth might say you're sick, but you can unlock a key to heaven and pull your healing into this realm and, and it'll be done right now. The facts might say dad's going to die of cancer or of a tumor, but the, but the healing virtue of the, of the risen Christ will say, I've got a different story. And we can access that. All of us access. I talked to you first about the access through the Holy Spirit. You're not accessing anything in the kingdom without the Holy Spirit. But I want to talk to, 
some more today about another key to the kingdom. Luke chapter 16, verse 11. Therefore, Jesus speaking, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. The King James says mammon. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money were listening to all these things and were scoffing at him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. The law and the prophets, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, or I like the way the King James says it, but now the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is forcing its way into it. Now, Jesus literally is making a, a transcendence from an old, he's saying literally from the time of Moses all the way through John, and the reason that he mentions John is John is the last of the Old Testament prophets. You read about John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and John, which we call the New Testament, but really that's a transitional period because the new covenant is not established until the day of Pentecost. Is everybody with me? You're listening. You're listening real hard. This isn't hard. And so Jesus is saying from the time of Moses all the way through the last old time, that's why Jesus said there's not arisen a greater prophet of women than John. Why? Because John saw what, in person what they all saw through, down through the eons, down through the ages. But John was, was saw it, and he would close up and, and, and put a bow on the Old Testament prophets. Jesus says from that, Moses all the way to John, from Moses all the way to John, the law and the prophets were proclaimed. But since that time, or he said, but now the gospel of the kingdom is preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. You know it in the King James and it says, the, the violent take it by force. You've heard that been said. Here's the word used. It's biadzo. It means to force. It does mean to force or to crowd oneself, to be seized. It's taken from the word bia, which probably means force, which is also taken from the word bios, which means life. Literally what Jesus says is from the time of Moses until John, the law and the prophets are preached, but now you're going to be born into a new kingdom. You've got to be born into this new kingdom. Remember what Jesus said to Joseph of, Joseph of Arimathea? He says, but Joseph, you must be born again. How can a man, it was a, man, a man enter a second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus said, you're missing the point altogether. Those things that are of the flesh are after the flesh, but those things that are of the spirit are after the spirit. You're born into the kingdom by the spirit. That's why we talk about the Holy Spirit. This is just all a little bit of foundation before I get to where I want to go. Everybody still with me? Matthew eleven twelve, and from the days of John the Baptist, it's just a different version, until now the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the law and the prophets prophesied until John. Until John. Let me finish. The violent take it by force. Take it by force is, is a, it's a compound word in the Greek. It's made of two. 
Harpazo and altos. Harpazo means to seize. Alto means through the idea of a baffling wind, which is to respire. From the time of, of John to now, people are being born into the kingdom. It's a picture of a child being born and <sighs> taking its first breath. A whoosh, as Barbie would say. Birth is a violent thing. It includes blood and guts and pain and pushing. If Tony were here, she could tell you today that, that birthing is not a fun thing until you see the face of the baby. How many mamas went here say, man, I just absolutely loved, loved the birthing process. No medicine, no nothing. Man, it was the best thing. I no. Let me tell you something about my wife, my beautiful wife, Elizabeth. When she was having Abby, we had gone to the doctor the week before because she was having contractions every few minutes. And we went to the doctor and they grabbed her by the hand and said, come here, little honey. You know, come on, little baby. And they set her into the, the room with me and they're, and they're like, well, you know, you're not dilated. Why don't you go for a walk? and drink oil, and do all these other things. That, that, and, and, and so Elizabeth was not a very happy person. Elizabeth likes getting what Elizabeth wants when she wants it, as do most of us. That's not a throw off on Elizabeth. That's most of us. Nobody, nobody likes, you know, especially Abigail wound up being nine pounds and five ounces. Abby was a chub. Elizabeth this big, Abby was this big, which means Elizabeth had to stretch to this big to maintain that little baby who was a big baby. You should have seen her. She was put in with the preemies when she was born. And those little babies were this big. And Abby looked like she'd had four steaks and a couple of baked potatoes when she came out. In fact, when she was born, the first words out of the nurse's mouth were, my God, look at those cheeks and shoulders. I'll never forget it. But my little wife said, okay, fine. We went home. And a week later, a week later, she's having contractions. And I'm like, babe, look, it's been like every few minutes. I don't care what it's been. I'm not going back to that hospital. If you, here's some wisdom. If, you, if you're a new husband and you, uh, or even a seasoned husband and you're going to have a baby, the wife's always right. If you ain't going to have a baby, the wife's always right. Look, Laura, look at Laura. I saw it. She just literally just did this to Henry. <laughs> she, she, think about it. Yeah, yeah. Isaac, go in there, that room, and bring me my phone. Yeah, Elizabeth, so I said, hon, you have a control. You're going to have this baby? She said, well, I'm going to have it right here. I, I'm not going to, for them to tell me I've got to come home again. And I'm, thinking, I'm, I'm sweating it. I'm like, oh, my God, I, I, I can't do this. I'm not, my father delivered me at home on purpose. I, I don't know either. He did. And then he decided, this worked out so well, I'm going to do the next three. If you hear mom's side of it, which is probably the truth, she says, please, I delivered it. Tony was just there. It's, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, she, she did. I mean, she, by the time Rebecca came out, mom's like, whatever. She's eating, she's eating, she's eating ice cream when Rebecca was born. But, but <laughs> No, but Elizabeth, so I'm like, Elizabeth, please, finally, finally, she goes to the bathroom. She comes back in and says, um, and, and says, don't be a hater, suck a tater. <laughs> That's not what she said. She said, oh, my God, my water broke. My water just broke. And I said, oh, here we go. So we packed up. We get to the doctor. We get to the hospital. I don't know where. They were so great there. Go into the room. And they're like, honey, just calm down. You were here last. She said, I'm going to have this baby. She's coming. I'm telling you. Honey, just calm down. No pushing. No nothing. You're probably just still dilated to it. They finally got in there and said, oh, my God, she's dilated to seven. I told you. I told you that I was. This green monster came out of her mouth. 
They pushed her to the room and she said, I need the doctor. I need medicine. Honey, he's coming. Is he running? <laughs> Lost her, losing her mind. I'm like, I don't, I can't go back on the marriage now. This is scaring the you know what out of me. <laughs> I mean, that day, I already, when I took my vow, I settled to be with her forever. But that day I knew I'm never leaving this woman because that demon will come out and bite my head off. Is he coming? Is he running? I'm just like, this is my sweet little wife. She doesn't have a demon. That was finally, Abby was, Elizabeth got the epidural. It didn't kick in until after Abby was born, who was nine pounds and five ounces. I can assure you that that birthing thing was not a fun thing. It wasn't for her, and it sure as heck wasn't for me. I didn't go through the pain, but the mental anguish that I went through, seeing my wife metamorphosed into this monster that I had never seen before, and then back into sweet Elizabeth. I didn't know if she was coming home as the monster or as the, the wife that I married. I had never seen that before. It's the first time I'd ever seen it. And by God, it was not. That's the way the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. You're born into this new kingdom. Amen. Matthew 17. This is the transfiguration. Matthew chapter 17. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. And Peter said, what church people say? Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you'd like, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because that's what church people do. Church people always want to build a tabernacle where God has been and not realize that he's done with what was, and he's ready to move on. But we like, to, we like to set up our temples where God has been. You know, the scariest place and the worst place to be is where God used to be. I heard a preacher say one time, most of the names of the denominations over doors are not where people are, but where they stopped. For instance, I believe in baptism, but I ain't stopping at baptism. And I believe in Pentecost, but I'm not stopping at Pentecost. And I believe in day three, but I'm not going to stop. Charles Johnson looked at me years ago and said, look, once you've been in beyond the veil where the Holy of Holies is, that's not the ultimate. The ultimate is coming back out and leading somebody else in there, which means leading into the very presence of God. Peter says, let's make three tabernacles. You get one, Elijah gets one, Moses gets one. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice came out of the cloud and says, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Listen to him. Literally, the father is saying, that was, that was law and prophets all of it is fulfilled in this one man. It's fulfilled in him, fulfilled in him. Hear what he has to say. He is the ultimate expression of everything God ever wanted to say about himself. Hebrews 11.1, 1, King James says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The Living Bible says, What is faith? It's the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. I know what I'm talking about. Just give me a second to get there. It is for certainty that we hope for. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. Now, here's key two that I want to talk to you about. Key two to accessing the kingdom of God. It's faith. Keys of the kingdom. Everybody say back to me just so I know you're awake. What's the key? Faith. I don't see it, but I know it. 
Faith is really not about believing for things. It's more about trusting in his goodness. I'm going to say it again. Faith is not so much about believing for things, but trusting in his goodness. Remember, I've talked to you before. The Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter where Sarah, the Bible says that Sarah, by faith, received strength to conceive seed when she judged him faithful that promised. That's a quote. Essentially what happened was when Sarah kept stopped looking at the promise and the non-manifestation and said, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. I might be 89 and a half years old, but he promised me a baby. And if he's the one that promised, I can be 190 and I'm going to have that baby because the promise is only as good as the promiser. Faith is not about what you're going to get. Faith is about trusting in the goodness of God. So here's what we have to do. We have to identify. We got to recreate God's image. There's a, there's a book that was written, Restoring the Broken Image of God. I need to sit down for a little bit. As you can tell, uh, this is allergy season and cold and sinus season, all that stuff. Just let me sit down. We don't, we don't necessarily believe that God is always good. If we did, then we would believe that he wants for his children to have good things. And we wouldn't exclude anybody on the basis of their beliefs or non-beliefs. Are you listening to me? But we don't believe that he's good. Because we do bad things. People do dumb stuff. Some, I'm not going to say people suck, but some people are just mean. And when they're mean, we automatically think that they deserve bad things. But God's not like that. He's not retributive in nature. He's always restorative. He's looking for restoration. He's always looking for restoration. And so if something happens to us, let's just use the most obvious thing. An illness befalls us. A lot of us, the number, the first thing that we do is, what happened? We do what the disciples did. Hey, Jesus, who sinned that made this guy blind? They believe the way we believe. Who screwed up? He's blind. There must be a, that's the effect. What's the cause? Who did it? And Jesus said, neither. He didn't sin and neither did his parents. But the glory of God's going to be revealed in him. The glory of God's going to be revealed in him. That's what Jesus said. And so we've got to restore the image of God to know that he's always good. He wants good things for all of us. And then we can see ourselves and others the way that we should see ourselves and others and know not only is God good and he wants good things for me, he wants good things for everybody. When you can see that his nature is to give good things for everybody, you find someone that's got a disease and you walk up to it and say it's the goodness of God that will cause this disease to die in your body. Now, do we have all the answers? Mark Sanchez said the most powerful thing that, that was said in our church about 2014. He said, look, it's okay to leave some things to mystery. We have a need to know everything, and we, we always want to say this is why this, but when you can't put an answer on it, it's okay. Leave it to mystery. God knows. But we can't, we can't say God's not good in this instant. We just have to leave it to mystery. You know, leave it. I don't know. I don't know the answer to all of it, but I know that he's good, and I refuse to lessen my theology to match my experience. What I hope to do is keep my theology where it is, believe that God's good until my experience catches up. Well, how do we do that? We access it by faith. Faith is not about believing for things, but about trusting in his goodness. It's like a child who asks his father for food, knowing he's going to provide. It's just that simple. When you act in faith, you're saying, I believe you more than I believe in the circumstances in which I found myself. Faith literally translates you into another world, in another reality where all things are done. 
You should read some books. I think there's one. Is it Bob Oates? I think wrote a book. Is that who it is? Gary Oates. That's who it is. Thanks, Mark. Wrote a book years ago. And I, re I probably read it. And Stephen Brooks is another guy that he wrote. But they've had these experiences where they've walked into, that, that they walked into heavenly places with the Lord and they see body parts hanging in the heavenly realm. The vision was, I believe it was, I believe it was Gary. Was it, do you, did you read this book? Um, How to See God, maybe is what it was. I wish I could remember the title. Emily or Jeremy, one of them are reading it because they posted about it last week. Open Our Eyes. That's the one. And he walks in, sees body parts, and, and attached to body parts were name tags with people's names on it. It's simply waiting for someone in the earth to access that realm by heaven and say, oh, that's the kidney Lord needs, or that's the arm this one needs, or that's the whatever this one needs. Already, pre, already prescribed in there and waiting for the moment that someone by faith would grab that and say, here you go. This is, this is for you, and it's, it's supplied because of the goodness of God. And you can only access it through faith. My, so you preached the message. My mom preached the message 25 years ago. Spend your faith. You give everybody a quarter. Spend your faith. Faith is about trust. Faith is about trust. Do you trust him? I mean, it takes a whole lot of trust to step out of a boat onto a raging sea. You almost have to be somewhere between psychotic and, and completely desperate. I know a lot of people in this church that way. <laughs> that was a joke. You're on the, <laughs> you're on the edge of desperation. You've got to access what you can. Here's the key. You access by faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We experience this world with our five senses, but you access that realm. In this, from here, you access that realm by faith. Did you know that in the, in the realm of the kingdom, the thought produces the action? I, 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 it's hard for me to tell sometimes. I really am trying to read if I'm connecting or you guys are just ready to go home. In the, in the, in the realm of the spirit, thought produces action. But in this earth, nothing happens until a word is spoken. We have no idea how long in terms of how we understand time. It probably wasn't even time yet how long God had thought about saying let there be light. But until he opened his mouth and said let there be light, there was no light. And what happened was when he said it, there was light that existed inside of him. And when he said let there be light, the light came forth out of the womb of God through the mouth of God and he produced life in this realm. Light. That's how it happened. In him was life, and that life was the, the light of men. All life came out of the voice of God. All life still comes out of the voice of God. And by faith, you, you can access his voice and hear what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. I want you healed and I want you whole. The Bible says that by his stripes we were healed. With his stripes we are healed. That healing is the children's bread. That he would arise with healing in his wings. Has anybody ever read any of these things? He wants good things for his children. God has never, ever, 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 ever caused someone to suffer so, a little bit more for Jesus so they can find out, find out just how good he is. Well, God gave my daddy cancer. No, he did not. 
God does not teach by disease. God teaches by the Holy Spirit. Am I suggesting that he can't get glory from that? I'm not suggesting. He gets glory from everything. But the glory of God is to have a whole body that's whole. W-H-O-L-E, a whole body. Well, how do I get there? How do I get? I'm standing on this side. How do I get what's over there to here? You access by faith. You act, that's the key. Here's the key. I'm sick. I need healing. How many times did Jesus, was there a healing that Jesus performed and said, and, and he would say something about their faith. Do you have faith to believe for this? Do you have faith? Oh, I've, I've not seen so great faith, no, and not, not in all of Israel. How many times did Jesus say that? Go in, go in peace, daughter. Your faith has made you whole. What he's saying was, you accessed something because you saw something in me that you hadn't seen before. What you're seeing is a physical manifestation of the goodness of my Father. You saw it in me, you believed, and immediately, I mean immediately, well, the woman with the issue of blood, she didn't know theologically what she was supposed to do or not do. She simply said, if I can get to the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. Jesus did not even have her in his GPS. He was going to Jairus' house. Here's the story. Jesus steps off a boat. Jairus comes and falls on his feet and worships. This is scripture. Worships first. He does things in proper order. Then he looks up after he worships and says, he says, Jesus, can you come to my house? My daughter lays sick, dying. And Jesus says what Jesus would always say. I am the resurrection of life. Take me to her. On his way to heal this girl who's dying, the woman with the issue of blood was not in his GPS, but she didn't care about, going, about Jesus coming to her house. She was going to go find Jesus where he was. And so when she, when she took hold of his clothes, Jesus says these words, who touched me? But the Bible says she touched the hem of his garment. But he didn't say who touched the hem of my garment. He said who touched me. Because what happened was the moment she fell at his feet and reached up, she literally grabbed what she needed from the heavenly father through the portal who was Jesus. And immediately her issue of blood was stanched. Peter said, who touched you? There are thousands and there are thousands in the church today, and they leave every day the same way they were. There are thousands that come to meetings and come to worship conferences and come to all these things, leaving the same. But there is a remnant of people that say, I'm not leaving the same. I ain't going to leave the same. I've spent all my money on doctors and all these other things, but if I can find myself at the feet of Jesus, I know I can access by faith the goodness of God, which brings healing into my life. And immediately, Jesus didn't touch her. He didn't anoint her. He didn't pray for her. He said, who touched me? And they said, what do you mean? He said, I perceived that the, virtue has, that the virtue of my father has gone out of me. She literally took the keys of simple trust because she said within herself, if I can just but touch his, the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. By the way, while that happened, I guess it took Jesus too long because the little girl died. And he gets to her house and they say, if she's dead, he said, nah, she's not dead but sleeping. It's a, it takes a real son of God to say, no, 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 that's not death, that's sleep. I'm going to go wake her up. We access the realm of the kingdom. We access the things we need by faith. It's simple trust. Trust. I stand on this side of circumstance. Jesus said, by faith, 
You say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it will obey you. Forget about what that means theologically and just leave it for what, if we just take it at face value, it's a big deal. What mountain are you facing today? What is your mountain? For some of you, it's a health issue. For some of you, it's a, it's a financial issue. For some of you, it's, a, it's an emotional, uh, mental issue. Whatever it is, you fill in your own blanks. How do you want to access walking to the other side? You access by faith. I need to get a whole lot of faith. No, you just need to have simple trust. And the trust is in, in his goodness. God don't want me sick. He does not want me sick, period. God does not want me broke, period. Nor does he want me broken, period. He wants me healthy and whole and living vibrant. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. This is what I paid for on your behalf. How do we get to it? I'm going to give you some keys. I'm going to give you some keys. You go to Father's house. Anytime you want to go to his house, you go into Father's house, you take those keys and have anything you need to have to meet your need. I had a vision, probably, a vision or dream, I don't know. This was years ago. I lived in the basement of my parents' house, probably 20 years ago almost. And uh, in, the, in the dream, I, walk, I was walking through a corridor, a long, seemingly endless corridor, and there were jail cells on both sides, and it was dark and dingy, and there were people behind these doors, uh, behind these cells, holding on to the bars of the cages trying to get out. And I saw in the middle, of walking up and down the floor, I don't know who it was, but to me, I understood it as being ministry. And they had the keys on a key ring. They were silver, and they would unlock every single door. And instead of unlocking doors, here's what the ministry was doing. Twirling the keys on their fingers. I'll never forget as long as twirling the keys. Do you remember me sharing the vision? Twirling the keys on their fingers. People dying and ministry, twirling keys on your fingers. Let's get another program to keep the church up and running. Nope, that's twirling, that's twirling keys. What? It's, it's time to unlock some sales. The biggest prison that most of us, biggest prison that most of us have ever lived in is the prison of our own mis, uh, preconceived ideas about God that are just flat out not true. That's why I hit this so hard. What I'm trying to do today is take the keys that God's given me, unlock your cage. I can open the door, but you've got to walk through it. You need to believe that God's good, that God loves you. Well, I've already heard this a hundred times. Well, here's the hundred and first. Who knows how many times the woman with the issue of blood had heard about Jesus, but there was one day she said, I'm done with this. I'm done. You can always tell when, when a woman's done, she's done. And that woman was done. I'm done with the doctors. I'm done with spending all my money. My children have left me. I've become a curse to my own, my own family. My husband hasn't been able to touch me now. It's been 12 years I've been dealing with this mess. I'm done with it. I'm going to get to Jesus. Sometimes you just have to get fed up enough to say, you know what, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm going to find myself at the feet of Jesus, and I'm going to access all the things that the Father has already paid for me to have. And one of the keys that I access that is faith. Simple trust, childlike trust. Jesus said one day to his disciples, he said, which of you, he's, actually he said to a, to a crowd of people, which of you, if his son came and said, can I have a fish to eat, would you give him a snake? Or if he came and said, I, I need some bread, I'm hungry, would you give him a rock? And they all said, of course not. He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father give to those that simply ask? 
There's a whole lot of stuff that we don't have because we don't simply ask. If Jason or Rachel, any of my six kids walk up to me today and ask me for something within my power that's good, beneficial for them, why would I withhold that? There's nothing that they could ask me. If, gee, if your boy came up to you and said, Daddy, I'm hungry. You, you, buff, you feed me. Buffet. It's going to happen. It's just, it's just, it, that's the way it is. So, some of you come today and say, Father, I, I, am, I am financially destitute. Okay, I want to bless you. But what God wants to give you is money and wisdom to know how to handle it. Because if you get the money without the wisdom, you're going to wind up in the same place you started. Father, I'm sick. I've been sick a long time. Okay, I want to give you health. How do I access it? Faith. Not by some preacher slapping their oil on you. And I'm for that and I've done it. I've done it more than all y'all put together, I can promise you. I've done it to 20,000 people at a time for six and a half or seven weeks for four straight years. I promise you I've done more than you. But that's not the way it's accessed. Simple faith. Can it work that way? The Bible says, the James, the book, book of James says, is there, any, is, there, is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. They'll anoint their heads with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick. And if they've committed sin, it'll be forgiven them. I know the scripture too. I also know you can access all things that the Father has for you simply by faith. Play that keyboard for me. Winding down. Oh, it's early. I didn't do it for that reason, but it's early. I stand on this side of my issue. I need to get on the other side. How do I get there? There's prosperity, and there's uh, promotion, and then there's all the, all the things I need on that side. I'm on this side of the mountain. It's on that side of the mountain. How do I get there? Lord, just give me enough strength to climb this whole mountain. That's dumb. You don't have to climb it. You don't have to tunnel through it. Use faith and say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. Be removed and cast into the sea. Josh, you don't know what I've done. I don't want to know what you've done. I don't care what you've done. There's not one thing that any of those six children can do that would make me say, you're not my kid anymore. I hate you. I'm done with you. Not one thing. Even if I, God forbid, the worst things. And they're not going to do the worst things because they've been raised well. But even if they were to, I would not disown my children. And no, neither does the Father disown those. So stop disqualifying yourself because of what you think you've done. I can promise you his goodness is way, way, way deeper than your mess. Well, this, sound, this just seems too simple. That's probably why most of you don't have it yet. You get worked into some sort of theological, sweaty, foaming at the mouth mess. No, you don't need that. You tell me I can simply ask? and trust in the goodness of Father. That's why we sang. That's why it hit so hard. Father knew what he was going to say through my voice this morning. That's why the song, the goodness of God, hit so hard for so many, all of us. We want to believe that God's good. We really do. But it's hard for us. Most of us have been trained that he's good to some, but he ain't good to everybody. Or, or you, better, you better balance God's love with his wrath. You don't know what you're talking about. It'd be best for you to shut up and let people that know something talk about it. I mean that. I mean that because I know what I'm talking about. He 
loves you. He's for you. He's for you. Access what you need by faith. Some of you right now, you, you need to, for God to do something today or, or your life, it, it's going to be a bad thing. You need him to move today. And is it just me that needs that? I, I need you to move for me today. I need something today. Is there anybody else in here by the show of hands and say, I need this today too? I need him to move today. I need to move in my family. I need to move in my body. I need, I need to move with my children. I need to move in relationships. I need him to move this addiction. I need, I need so I got to have it today. You got to become so desperate that you're willing to, to give everything else away to find that one answer. And when you get there, access it by faith. I'll stand. Let me finish. Faith is not about asking God for things as much as it is trusting in His goodness and in His willingness and desire to give you those things. How many people believe God wants good things for you? You do? Then ask Him. I'm going to have him turn the piano up because I don't want anybody embarrassed. And I want you to open your mouth and say to him, Father, I love you and I know that you're good. And because I know that you're good, I'm asking you for and fill in your own blanks. Turn that up a little bit, Isaac. You still up? Ask him for what you want. Believe that it is his desire to give you the kingdom. It's his good pleasure, the Bible says, to give you the kingdom. You need some peace? That's a part of the kingdom. Father, I need peace. I go to sleep at night and I wake up at one and and every hour, only hour, worried. I need peace. Ask him for it. He's the king of peace and Jesus is the prince of peace. I'm not sure that I'm right with God. Father, I'm asking you for righteousness. Help me to see that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I need some joy. My God, I'd love for a whole whole boatload of joy to get dumped in this church this morning. I could use some of that myself. So while he's playing, I want you to do me a favor, just for the sake, I want you to to close your eyes. Don't bow your head, but keep your eyes, just close your eyes and begin to to just be aware of his goodness. Begin to be aware and believe that he's actually here. It might take a minute or two, but I want you to really, 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 if you have to use your imagination to imagine that he's standing in front of you, then do it. That's okay. And then come to a place of this ultimate awareness. He's with us. His name is he's with us. He shall be called God with us, Emmanuel. That's who he is. And when you know that he's there, then say, Father, this is what I need. And I can promise you, give you the desires of your heart I've asked before ask again Be bashful, open your mouth and ask.
access what's already yours by faith. Trust in your goodness. Trust in your goodness. put your hands over towards Laura. Father, I thank you for our friend. We still believe. We still believe in your goodness and we believe in health. 
We believe in rejuvenation. We know that you cause dead things to come to life and you make sick, sick things well and broken things whole. And I'm asking for her broken body right now to be made whole, Lord Jesus. Have no interest in leaving this place until it's done. In the name of Jesus. Every cell in her body to respond to the sound of my voice and feel the light of the Heavenly Father coming to her body right now. The virtue of the resurrected Christ. Last time. 